Welcome to this edition of Free Thinking with Montel. My guest today is a wonderful individual that I've wanted to hang on for quite a while. He's a, a young man who immigrated to the United States with his family as a small child from the Dominican Republic. He grew up in Brooklyn and Queens and has spent the last two decades traveling the world as a flight attendant. He serves as a council representative for the Association of Professional Flight Attendants the only independent flight attendant union in the United States. He's also an outspoken and passionate advocate on many social issues and is an avid fitness enthusiast. Please welcome Mr. Kristen Santana to Free Thinking. Thanks for being with us today, Kristen. Thank you, Montel, for having me. Um, my name is Kristen Santana, as you said. I am the middle child of four, grew up in a Dominican household. We migrated here when I was six years old. And growing up, I knew that I had a passion for a lot of the social issues that are plaguing us today, both good and bad. Um, although growing up in a conservative household, my parents made us focus exactly, you know, specifically on school. And so today, um, having served over 25 years in the airline industry and being one of the advocates in our flight attendant union, I find myself at a crossroad where I see people like you, Montel, who uses uh, your spotlight to raise awareness about many issues, including the issues you raise about our military men and women. And I find myself in a, a struggle because it's a whirlwind of so many issues that um, our society is struggling with today. And now I'm at a point where I have to decide where do I you know, take my next steps. I don't plan on flying forever, but I do plan on keeping uh, my voice loud and heard out, out there to help others. That's right. Well, how much do you think that your, you know, worldwide travel has impacted your perspective on a lot of social issues? Well, it's impacted me in a, in a very positive way, although at times difficult. I've been exposed to many cultures, uh, a very diverse, uh, um, a very diverse sector of people uh, who not always have been um, tolerant. And so it's taught me to use uh, the diversity and the intolerance and sort of use my personal chemistry to show people around the world that, you know, no matter how you look like or where you come from, that we're all individuals. And I I can say up to this moment that although some of the negative experiences are so far back in my memory, um, I have used them to construct for the future. And it's all been positive up to this point at my age, and I'm grateful for that. Let's talk a little bit about the industry that you work in. I mean, especially right now in the time of COVID, my goodness, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about what the airline, well, I mean, I got a million questions. What's the airline going through? I know you guys are waiting right now to see what the federal government does with the CARES Act, correct? Yes. And recently, you know, you work for, I won't say the particular airline, but your airline that you work for uh, literally just furloughed a, a large number of employees, did it not? Yes, our airline um, announced first a warn for almost 10,000 employees, flight attendants specifically, and just recently made an announcement that there was in fact going to be a furlough of October 1st of about nearly 9,000 flight attendants and if the CARES Act did not kick in. And the CARES Act is a very important thing only because it's not so much fixing the issue, but buying some time until we see how the uh, economy rebounds if it does. Uh, but right now in this industry, what, what's really become difficult is that our politics and the partisanship 
you know, across the country is plaguing the flight attendants and is plaguing the aviation workers. And so there's a very difficult challenge that I think not a lot of people want to speak about. And that's that we're torn within ourselves because of the politics. And I continue to be out there on all the social media sites and I continue to um, raise awareness of how important it is for flight attendants and all aviation workers to reach out to their representatives and just express overall, you know, a commitment to, you know, fighting and to keep going and for them to please get to work and get us an extension to the payroll support program. I mean, right now, I mean, as we look at what's going on today, it looks as if this is going to go on for quite a while. And when we take a look at the airline industry, it appears to be constricting in a way that I don't think anybody ever anticipated. But, you know, I've just read a recent uh, article that's saying that the airline industry will probably constrict around 50%. That means cutting out 50% of the available flights that were, you know, or, or routes that were there and available. We've already seen a couple of airlines have announced stopping flights going in and out of smaller markets, but now they may even start cutting down on the number of flights available to the larger markets. So this is something that we may not see rebound for quite a while, or at least until we see some sort of a, a um, you know, a, a cure or even, you know, the right immunization for COVID. What do you think, and how has that been impacting some of your friends and some of your peers? Well, I, I, again, I have to sort of go back to the issue of the politics and um, everything you're saying, as, as hard as it is to hear, I was one of those people that only six months after I started flying after 9-11, I was furloughed. And after being furloughed after six months, I was only back a year when the company again was restructuring and, you know, issuing threats of bankruptcy. And then I was furloughed again for a second time. So at the beginning of my career here at the current airline I'm at, I experienced two furloughs in a span of three years. Uh, although things are difficult at the moment, I continue to believe that there seems to be a vacuum where we need some unity amongst us ourselves in the industry so that we can unite um, cohesively together, go and use our voices to those elected officials that we need to be on our side. Uh, as difficult as this thing is, I still believe that there is an opportunity that once there is a vaccine, which from what I'm hearing could be in the, in the near future, there's a possibility that the confidence in you know, air travelers will come back and we may not see an immediate rebound or the airlines clearly are not going to go back to the profits they had you know, pre-COVID. But I think that we may see a healthy industry with perhaps, as most of these instances present to the economy, a more um, a streamlined, you know, operation where there, there's more cost savings. And listen, I find a lot of opportunities in this, including environmental issues that we can now take into effect, or I mean, excuse me, into account when we start thinking about how we're going to run the airline. So I see opportunities here that are not just negative. Uh, yes, we'll lose some jobs. Clearly, the airlines, no matter what the government does, there's going to be less employees working. But I think that there's other opportunities that once these employees do return to work, uh, we can have safer airlines, uh, better air quality, uh, better things done for the environment that the airlines can take initiatives in. So I'm trying to see a lot of this negative stuff uh, into also a positive, uh, you know, light so that, you know, moving forward, uh, when we do experience this, uh, we don't correlate it or, you know, associate it like we are now with 9-11. And that's a big issue. A lot of airline workers 
are under the impression that this is going to be another 9-11. You sit back, you know, let other people call Congress. It's going to work out. And it's not. It's just a whole different environment. And I just I, I wish that more people would um, bring forward the issues that can help us rebuild while we're trying to get us past this phase. It's just so much fighting right now and so many politics and it, it, it's leaking into our, our, our workers. Well, when you talk about leaking into your workers, I think it's leaking into your industry. I mean, I've, I'm just aghast sometimes when I see some of these videos that are up on social media, people who are fighting with each other, hitting each other, you know, getting physical with each other on airplanes. These are the customers. And I understand that you guys are going through quite, you know, a transition trying to make sure you're kind of like, you know, air police enforcing people wearing masks. People don't want to wear a mask. You have conflicting rules and regulations depending on the airline. You know, some say that if you have a pre-existing condition or some condition, you can say and report before you get on, you don't have to wear a mask. And then you get people on the plane saying, well, they're not wearing a mask. Why do I wear a mask? I mean, how has this been for you guys? It's been a challenge, definitely. But as safety professionals, one of the things the traveling public does realize is, is that we deal with these instances, maybe not as often, as we are dealing with it during COVID. But as safety professionals, we're very trained, we're well-trained and prepared to handle these situations. Now, where it comes to be a very difficult issue is the social part. Um, customers wanna pull out their phones, they wanna record, everybody wants their five minutes of fame. And what I tell my coworkers and when I'm assisting flight attendants that deal with these issues um, is that they need to take themselves out of it personally uh, report to the company whatever you see or you, you get your hands on so that the company can then go through their corporate avenues and, and handle that. But flight attendants are safety professionals that for many, many decades have been keeping these guys friendly, safe, and comfortable for passengers, you know, even with what we're dealing with now. I mean, my coworkers, I'm amazed. I haven't stopped flying since COVID began, with the exception of two months that American closed the New York base. Uh, but I got to tell you, it, it, it amazes me when I work with my coworkers and I watch how much we take and how much we deal with. And, and we just, you know, transfer from a chaotic environment to a professional environment. Anecdotally, just give, give me a couple of little anecdotes of stuff that's happened. You don't have to be specific so that, you know, I don't want you getting in trouble at all. But I mean, let's talk about, you know, the, the instances that you know or flight attendants have related to you, things that have happened that we can actually share right now with our viewers and let them know too. When you get on a plane, back yourself up a little bit and make sure you understand what's happened. So give us some, give us a couple examples of some things that have, have been annoying to flight attendants and to even the flying public in the last couple of months. Right. Well, one of the very common ones that I personally experienced on a recent flight was customers who now know that the policy of most major airlines are that you can keep your mask off while you're eating or drinking. And so the crew members on board know that, and we respect that. A lot of customers are actually bringing on board food, which they're allowed to do, and they're using this food as a diversion tactic, and they either eat it extremely slowly, but it's not us that you know intervene it's more other customers elderly with children they call upon the crew and they say hey this guy's been eating a bag of chips for the past four hours you know what are you going to do about it uh then you have the customers who bring a political notion of how they're going to sort of um 
you know, show their resistance to wearing a mask. And we have people who come on board. I had a guy came on board. I, I was working in the back. I had come up to the front of the aircraft to check on my fellow crew members. And this guy came on board and immediately told the flight attendant in the front of the aircraft that he was not going to wear a mask because he had a medical condition. And we handled it the way we do professionally. We explained to him what the company's policy was, that it had changed. And he refused and threw a tantrum right there during the boarding. Uh, we had to have security come on board and escort him off the aircraft. And another one that's a dangerous one is that... Hey, wait, let me ask you a question. When they escort him off the aircraft, do they get him another flight or you know, he's just out of luck? We're not usually involved in what happens to customers after that, that moment, but the airline has communicated to the employees and the union that these customers are banned from flying an American. And that's included in the public announcement that we give customers uh, as soon as they board the aircraft, that if they don't adhere to the policy, they will not be allowed to fly on the company. Uh, what actually happens thereafter, I'm sure is, you know, maybe different, but I hope it's not because I, you know, this is a life-saving thing and I hope the company does you know, stand by their policy. Gotcha. Well, good. You were going to give me another example? Yeah. The other example, which becomes sort of a, a dangerous one, is where customers come aboard the aircraft and they don't have a mask or they don't have something that we consider you know, a face covering. And we provide them one because the airline provides us extra masks to give the customers. And so they go into the laboratories and I've already found several, maybe four or five masks I don't know why, but they're just in a knot or they'll like tie a whole bunch up and they'll shove them into the laboratory. Uh, and that's that's a safety issue because one of the things that most of the airplane laboratories say is don't dispose of things that can be dangerous. And they literally have a depiction of them. But um, the resistance of the customer who comes on board is, is it's mainly again, I go back to the same issue. It seems to be more aligned with a political resistance or just, you know, venting and saying, I'm not going to be told uh, what to do. But there's a, there, there are just several instances that I bet you, if you interviewed a couple of my fellow coworkers, you'd hear things that you would never have imagined. But again, flight attendants, as always, safety professionals for decades and more than well prepared and trained is just it's a whole new era. So it's a, it's a very, really, really heavy challenge that's placed on, on crew members in the entire industry. And now, so, you know, I mean, do, do you find that the airline backs you up more than or is the customer always right more? Well, the communication that the airline has given us to pass on to the customer, the communication that the airline continues to put out to the employees has been not only consistent, but it has been very uh, pro-employee and safety and following all the CDC guidelines. Uh, I, I, I'm a little hesitant to give the airline full credit yet as we're entering a whole new phase uh, now with the flu season coming on. And they are talking about some initiatives about clean air on the airplanes and filters, et cetera. So, so far uh, for the airline I work for, and most of what I've read from other major carriers, and I do keep myself very abreast uh, on what's going on, uh, I have to say the airlines have responded very well in terms of their employees and taking care of us to what to what's available to them, because every day there's something new that's developing. If there was a message you wanted to give right now to, to passengers or potential passengers, you're getting ready to buy a ticket. You should know the following A, B, C, D. What would you say to them, Chris, on behalf well, of all the flight attendants? Well, my message as a flight attendant that's been in this industry over 25 years is that the moment that you make a decision to travel, by air, 
Uh, remember that regardless of what happened before you actually go down that jet bridge and you board the aircraft, remember that there are still safety responsibilities that those crew members on board have to save your life and that of your fellow uh, passengers on board at any moment, at any time. And please remember that if we give you instructions, if we tell you to do something, we never get on board with an agenda other than looking forward to either our layover or coming back home to our family. So please keep in mind that air travel is still one of the safest ways to travel. However, the very few times that safety becomes a question, it really is all in the hands of those people that are up there in uniform serving you your drinks or taking care of you. Please adhere to policy and guidelines. And listen, there's never anything wrong with asking a crew member because sometimes people do get on board. They're first-time travelers. And if you are a first-time traveler, it is completely understandable. We are in the industry of hospitality. So please ask when you don't know, but always, always, you know, respect the crew member's instructions because it really can make a difference in a, in a, in a safety environment. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know, Chris, I got to pay some bills. So I got to take a little break. I'll take a break for a couple minutes and we'll be back right back. We're listening to free thinking with Montana. Our guest today is Mr. Chris Santana, who is a union rep for one of the biggest unions or really uh, one of the biggest flight attendant unions in the country. And he's sharing some thoughts about, you know, what we should all consider before we decide to take a flight and travel. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. Hey, and thanks so much for tuning in to Free Thinking with Montel. My guest today is Mr. Chris Santana, who is a representative for the Association of Professional Flight Attendants and the only, the only independent flight attendant union in the United States. And he's also a very passionate and outspoken person on social issues and in the fitness. And, you know, that's a, that's a tough one to be into, my friend. Uh, again, uh, thank you so much, Chris, for being with us today. Uh, pass that to you. But, you know, staying fit and flying the type of schedules that you guys have has got to be tough. Uh, I know that you're an avid workout enthusiast. Uh, you post videos all the time. Why don't you give people some information about where they can go up in line and see, you know, what you do and learn a little something from you. Thank you, Montel. Well, yeah, I am a fitness enthusiast. I love, love anything related to fitness. Uh, and it, it grew f from watching my older brother, who was into working out since I was young. I was never into it. And then once I left high school, I just started going into a gym and it's really in my blood. I love it. Um, the most important thing about fitness, um, especially in an industry like mine, where you are constantly on the go, is that you're exposed to so many elements and toxic things and everything, environment, you know, air, and it really gives you uh, a, a fair playing field when it comes to your health. And so, I post on Instagram. My handle is Platform Santana uh, on Instagram. And you can find my videos on Facebook. I have a Facebook uh, page, which is called First Only Gym. Um, and I, I, I tell all my friends, uh, old, young, it's not about your age. It, it's simply about getting a little bit of your, that part of your day to dedicate to yourself and to your body. The rewards are endless. And I know a lot of times you you don't just train in the gym. You find anywhere you are as a gym. Yes. Yes. Um, the COVID presented me with a, a challenge and I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but, you know, I'm not really that dirt, getting dirty kind of guy outside and all that. I've, I've just been in a gym the whole time that I've been working out. And when COVID happened, I looked at my partner. He looked at me and he's like, well, my what? I said, well, now is what? 
I always do. I find a way. I'm a fighter. And so I got outside and it was intimidating at first. I'm not used to squirrels coming up to me. I didn't even know squirrels go up to people. Uh, but I found something that I don't know that I would have found had I not gone through this difficult time in our society with COVID. And that was, you know, the beauty of nature, the beauty of so much that's out there for us. And it gave me a whole new level of thinking for a lot of people that I try to um, mentor to tell them to get out there and work out. Some people who financially don't have the resources to belong to a gym or to buy equipment or to have fancy things or wear the clothes that I wear in my videos. And one of the things I always tell people is that, you know, now having experienced this, listen, there's a world out there. There's a gym out there. There's a there's a TRX out there for you provided by nature, the trees, the, the, the pavement, the dirt, you Google anything you want, you know, how is it working on dirt versus cement? How is it working? You know, how do you hang from a tree without pulling out your shoulders? You know, so many things. And I got to tell you, I, now I'm torn. I'm two days into the gym. Today's going to be my third workout. And as I posted yesterday, one of my posts, I don't know, I'm torn. I don't know what's going to happen. I think I'm going to have to split it. And, you know, I miss all my little squirrels and ants and, and getting mm -hmm. bitten by, by, by flies, but I may, I, I may be taking out to, to working out outside, half outside and half at the gym. That's great. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm a workout enthusiast also. And I, I've noticed though, I got to tell you something, during this last six months, it's been, it's been tough, man, to just maintain a fitness regimen, just to maintain the right attitude to, uh, to get up every day and get your butt down and start moving. You have to, I mean, and, um, what, what keeps you motivated? Well, what keeps me motivated, Montel, is uh, since I was young, I volunteered for several organizations in my youth that I really haven't told a lot of people. You're probably one of the first people I tell. But I grew up um, during the AIDS crisis. I grew up during a lot of uh, things that transitioned us into this generation now. And I, I, I do believe that health is a very important thing, but not so much from a physical perspective as how you look but taking care of our bodies and, and knowing what our bodies mean to us while we're alive. And I've come every day more and more to appreciate, uh, you know, my body keeping me up, walking me around, letting me get up, bending, sitting. And what motivates me the most is honestly, I think about the people who are sick or who don't have the ability to work out because of limitations. And when I see people like that, that still try and keep going, that truly is my motivation. I mean, through the years, having been on social media and seeing all the motivational stories, it truly reminds me that, you know, if they can, I, I should be able to. There you go. Well, no, you know, as, as much as you are, you know, an enthusiast and making sure that your fellow flight attendants, you know, have the rights that they deserve, you also are very, very, very outspoken and passionate about social issues. So let's talk about a few of them and how you feel. And I'm going to say that everything you say has nothing to do with the airline that you work for. This is all coming straight from you. But, you know, you've seen what we are living through, my friend. You can't. You have to be a, you know, a mannequin or, you know, a, a walking zombie to not recognize what's happening in our society. And what do you think about what's going on, A, with social unrest? But maybe I should say that's B. But A, what do you think about the leadership of this country, starting with, you know, President Trump and what he has literally acted like he stands for in the last five or six months? 
Well, it's very disheartening uh, being an immigrant, uh, having watched my parents work as hard as they did and seeing the real immigrant life that I grew up on because I grew up very poor. I consider my consider myself lower than middle class. And, you know, for me, it was very difficult to watch a candidate walk down the stairs and make his announcement to be the leader of our world, of our, I call it our world because the United States is such a powerful country, the leader of the free world, and to begin with the comments he began with. And although most of the world was still sort of in a fog thinking that this man, there was no way he could become president, et cetera, you know, I, I, I kept hope. And although I have been a Democrat and now an independent for a long time, I kept hope that it was a, just something that here's the New York guy that I grew up hearing about Trump. I grew up in Brooklyn, so I've heard about Trump my whole adult life. And I figured, you know what, he'll pivot. He'll, you know, okay, you know, it's, it doesn't sound good. You know, it hurts me to hear my immigrant people have to hear a leader speak this way and asking Americans to vote him into office the highest, most powerful office, and that he's going to come and, you know, just speak about us like that. We, I mean, we are the backbone of this country in terms of, uh, you know, infrastructure. I mean, we've built so many things in this country. And here we are three years later. And at this point now, it is, it is, such, a, it is such a toxic, unfathomable thing that we are even having a discussion about who we're going to elect. Uh, I understand politics well, and I understand, you know, tax, tax breaks. I understand religion. I understand judges. I understand all the things that a lot of Americans have as one-issue voters or two-issue voters. But what I've never understood and what I've always had in me, and I, I, I learned this in school, was the values that America has always taught everyone in their, within their borders. And that was compassion because from my elementary school teachers to, oh my God, everyone I came in contact with in my youth, everywhere, good, bad, either way, the one thing that was always there was compassion. The one thing was always there was the, I'm sorry. And today I'm just, I don't know. I really don't even have words to even say what I, how I feel about us even having a question about who we should elect for the next, you know, for the president next year. Does it throw you? You may you said something about the fact that you know it used to be a time where friends could talk to each other about political issues, but now you can't because it turns into you know literally almost a you know a death fight uh, or you know gets so extreme that you know you lose friendships over just having a difference of opinion. You know, does it throw you like it does throw me? I'm gonna tell you, it throws me every time I see a person of color step up in defense of this indefensible individual. Does it throw you the same way? It, it throws me, but I think that being in the position that I am as a union advocate and in the industry that I am and having as many friends as I do that are conservatives and do support the president, um, I've tried to keep myself from listening to a lot of my emotions and my feelings. And I do get what you get. And I, I, I get a lot of the same reactions that a lot of minorities get. But I am not in a position where I have the luxury of of sort of feeling them as much or tapping into them. And what I think right now is important, and I share this with a lot of my friends who get confused, is that for those people who support him, who continue to still today want him to be the president uh, next year, it's important that we never lose the dialogue. 
and I and I it's it's what I struggle with where a lot of my friends who are Democrats get a little thrown off and think maybe well, where where do you stand? And I don't stand anywhere but with immigrants, with whites, with blacks, with everyone. I stand with everyone. Um, I can disagree with many people on policies and, and politics and everything, but I I think it's important to to keep the dialogue. And listen, if you are offended by something a family member or a coworker says, I have coworkers on the airplane who make comments because they know that the position I'm in as a union advocate is a position where I'm kind of sort of limited as to how I can respond. But, you know, keep the dialogue open and just swallow hard and take all that anger and emotion that you feel from hearing the things you hear and do, don't stop talking to these people you disagree with, but take all that emotion and find one, two, three, four, 20, 50 people and get them to the polls to vote. Because it is, only, it is the only time and the only thing that we can actually do to change the future. And, and you're not talking to 100 people on following 50 people, or you, know, you have a relationship with someone who's a conservative, and how dare they support Donald Trump? Well, you know what? Unfortunately, it is their right. And we have to respect that because that's the country that gave people like me, immigrants, and my family the opportunity to come to this country and be what we wanted to be. It's that freedom and that liberty that we have to find that balance of disagreeing, and, but still keeping that line of communication open so that when we get past the elections, we can come back and revisit. Because listen, there's a lot of people today that voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and will give you testament and tell you that their mind today is nowhere where it was in 2016. And those people deserve an opportunity to have their friends back, their family, the people that they had falling out with. So I think keeping that line of communication open amongst friends and family is super important, especially in the workplace. I mean, I think when you when you, you hear some of the comments that Donald Trump has made recently and, and some of the things that have been attributed to him about Puerto Rico, I think that he seems to think that Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic are one and the same. Absolutely. Um, and he doesn't see any difference between the two countries at all. Um, so, and then recently he's been been quoted to have said that he was thinking about how can he sell Puerto Rico to someone else. So therefore, in his mind, he doesn't want you to be a part of America anymore. What do you think about that? And I mean, have you heard anyone, has anyone actually said something like that to you? Well, what I think of it is that it's it's egregious. It's a misrepresentation of the values of the majority of Americans. Um, but Donald Trump doesn't define me or immigrants. I mean, we anyone who's an immigrant, a black person, anyone, a minority, a person of color, he, he just doesn't define us. Personally, me, he doesn't have no longer that control over my emotions where it hurts me. What, what, what I think of it in terms of the people who don't feel like me is that it's a shame that a person who's had everything his whole life, who has been around immigrants his entire life because he grew up here in New York City, uh, has to succumb to the lowest and the worst of the instincts, and not Americans, and people, because kid children around the world are listening to the words the president of the United States says. So in a way now, at this point, three years later, almost four years into his first term, it makes me stronger and makes me more, you know, fired up to stay out there on Twitter everywhere 
and fight and use my voice and tweet what I can and say what I can. And every conservative friend that I have will not lose my friendship, but they're going to hear what this immigrant has to say and where we stand. You know, it used to be, you know, you, you would fly cross country, you take a flight from, you know, point A to point B. Um, you know, flight attendants, you guys were up in the aisles all the time during one cart service, another cart service. You know, now a lot of that has stopped. So now you guys are literally there to maintain safety and get to spend a lot of time together seated in the back or seated in the front. Do you find that uh, you guys break into a lot of political conversations? We, we do. And most of them are inadvertent. I mean, they're just, they just happen. Cause I mean, it's, this is all woven into everything in our society. It happens a lot. There is a lot of animosity um, amongst our work group overall in the industry. And I'm not just talking flight attendants. I hear it from rampers, from mechanics, from pilots, from agents. And animosity um, in what way? That when the subject comes up or anything related to the subject of politics, everybody goes to their corner. It's just, it, it stays toxic because even the conversations that don't get, um, you know, veered off into a negative, in a negative area, it's just, they're never resolved. No one ever agrees to have learned something or heard something that made them go, okay, well, maybe. It, it's divisive. It's, it's one corner or the other. You're either on the right or you're on the left. There's no middle. And you see that, that exacerbating itself during this whole COVID thing? I mean, you know, I'm sure that tensions must be really, really high. And flight attendants have to be very fearful and very stressed out. I mean, I guess when they furlough people, they furlough, you know, the junior people first and then start going up and picking their way up the ranks. So what's, what's the stress level like right now for flight attendants? Yeah, the seniority issue is, does come into play. And, you know, it is very often that we do get into conversations related to everything that's going on. Uh, but our union is, is pretty good at communication. And unfortunately, no matter what you put out, the flight attendants are going to run with their emotions. The people who are subject to these furloughs and job cuts have sort of a sense that, you know, I'm young, I just started this, why is it being taken away from me when someone who's been here longer than me, who's done it for as long as they have, is not given or forced out? Uh, unfortunately, our industry is an industry about, you know, about seniority, we're a unionized work group, and seniority is how we say the name of the game, and, and it's difficult. And so that alone, you know, it, it's hard to understand it under circumstances like this, so it, that, that adds to the aggravate, you know, to the whole negative vibe of the politics and, you know, I'm getting, losing my job and you've been here forever. Why am I leaving? And again, two people that started off one in each corner dig, dig themselves further into that corner because, and then the mass thing, we have flight attendants who have their own beliefs about COVID and some of them express it on social media. Uh, they comply when they come to work because it's a policy the company puts forward. But, you know, when they're on social media, they, they, they express it. And so then you got to get back on the airplane and work with these flight attendants who have a certain belief about COVID or about the mask. And, you know, that, that adds to everything. It's, a, it's a, the whole, it's a, it's a big storm. And, you know, coming to work as a crew member, is, it's got its own challenges internally, you know, amongst ourselves. And I guess you guys end up spending a lot of time together, especially if you end up going overnights, correct? Yes. We spend quite a lot of time together. I mean, even if it's just a, a turnaround trip because the entire eight hour or 12 hour day, you're well, your fellow crew, you know, crew members, but we, we do pretty well overall. We, we do. 
Uh, I have seen instances where crew members that don't get along fly, but during COVID, I must say it's it's been great. We I haven't witnessed, and I fly a lot. I haven't witnessed a lot of issues, but people do pretty good. I mean, flight attendants for the most part, regardless of what they're what they have prior to boarding that airplane, do a very good job of you know taking care of passengers and, and keeping safety as the, the the important thing to focus on while they're on the airplane. And, and, and just in general, I'm not asking you to speak for the airline or be an official, but, you know, clearly if you're flying a lot and there's other flight attendants that are flying a lot, are you afraid or has it been pretty much the same? I mean, in the sense that, you know, you get your job done, you put your mask on, you keep your distance and you feel that you are pretty safe. Um, you never feel safe in the middle of a pandemic when you faced it head on before it was even named. And when your airline told you, you cannot wear a mask, which is what we were told initially when it first started. Um, I have never disclosed to anyone, but I will to you that I did get COVID. I got it very early on in March and I know exactly when I got it. I got it after a flight that I worked. I quarantined myself at home and went through the motions. I experienced a very difficult time with it. Although I work out and everything, I forced myself to get out, get some vitamin D, but it was very difficult. It was probably, I've never really had the flu, but if that's what the flu is like, this was bad. Um, and what about that? Now, how many flights, just, just if you could estimate since January, how many times have you flown? Since January, yep. I have flown an average probably of, 17, 18 days a month, with the exception of two months that our base was not operating. And out of the 17, 18 a month for six months, you probably got it from a flight, but that's 70 flights that you took, right? So, I mean, chances of you getting in our, I mean, is this something that's, that's right now, you know, the pandemic is affecting us all, but do we see a rise in flight attendants being you know, getting the illness? Unfortunately, the airline won't give us statistics or keep us updated on the number of crew members that are affected. It's been something we've been asking for. Uh, I'm sure that the union on a headquarter level has also been in talks with the company to get information. I am not privy to know if the union at a higher level does get official numbers. But there is no doubt or I mean, you don't even have to be a professional to assume that a person who works in a confined cabin space with hundreds of customers every day, maybe two, three times a day, depending how many flights they were, that they're going to be exposed to not just COVID. I mean, our, the nature of our jobs, we're exposed to everything and anything that people carry around the world as they're traveling. So when I, when I worked a flight, I knew that something wasn't right. I suffer from a lot of sinus issues, which I manage very well on my own. But there was this one specific flight that I worked. And when I got to Miami, um, I landed in Miami and I didn't feel right. And so I got back and I just, something wasn't right. I went and got tested. I was negative. I didn't have it. So when I, since I didn't have it, I didn't report it to the company because you're supposed to report it if you test positive. I stayed home and I said, you know, let me quarantine myself. And come to find out later, just because you test positive doesn't mean you don't have it or didn't get it. Uh, or just because you test negative. I'm sorry. Just because you test negative doesn't mean you don't have it or didn't get it. And so when I tested negative, 
um, my partner said to me, you need, you should stay home. Um, you know, and I said to him the same, I said, I'm afraid that if I go back to work, I'm not afraid of not being able to work. I'm afraid of giving it to a coworker who's going to bring it home to their elderly parent or something. And sure enough, a couple of days later, I did get it. Um, and I weathered it at home. I stayed home. I quarantined myself. I stayed away from anyone I knew and I got through it thankfully. And then I didn't go back to work until I got my antibody test and made sure that I was okay. Okay. And then do what, like if, if a flight attendant were to test positive, does the airline then contact the other flight attendants and other people and say that there's possible exposure? Yeah, the procedure that I'm aware of up to this moment is that the minute a flight attendant notifies the company that they are positive or, you know, have COVID, the company then contacts any crew members that have been in contact with this flight attendant throughout a specific period of time. Uh, they contact them, they remove them from flying, and they give them all the resources. American has a great um, program where if you are sick, they take care of you, you know, pay is not an issue. So that, that, that's been handled very well by the airline and anyone who thinks they have it or, or gets a, a positive test uh, only needs to reach out to the company and the company does have a lot of resources in place for you to protect yourself and, and your coworkers. Is that the message you would, what kind of message would you send out to other flight attendants right now if you want to let them know whether they're your airline or any other airline? What would be the message you would send to them? Make sure that they go ahead and make sure that they let their airline know? Well, the, the, my, my message, the first part of my message would be to remember that when you do get this thing, COVID, you're not just possibly infecting a coworker or, you know, the person at the airport. You could be exposing grandma who's on the flight going to see her grandkids or transporting themselves for medical reasons. And you need to think about the, the public in general, everyone, not just the passenger, the coworker. Think about your, the world. I mean, we have to take care of one another. This is a global thing. It's not a local thing. So my advice is always, if you feel any symptoms at all, don't go to work, go get tested. And if you test positive, take the immediate actions that the airline has in place for you to take to protect yourself in your, in your work environment. Cool. So now one final thought, just uh, if you had a crystal ball, do you think that the, you know, the Fed's going to come back and, and pass the CARES Act again and help you guys out? Well, I don't have doubts that they're going to pass some kind of uh, relief package, but my my it, it, it'll almost be irrelevant if they don't do it prior to October 1st. I mean, most of the labor unions, the big ones, APFA, AFA, TWU, have expressed day in and day out how critical it is for the CARES Act to include a an extension to the payroll support program you know, before October 1st. And why before October 1st? Because it's not just someone getting laid off which, who can come back to work. It's someone getting laid off and through a pandemic that still yet doesn't have a vaccine, losing their health care, losing the way, you know, how they support their families. We already see how unemployment has become political where we're going to give extra money, we're not. So, you know, the CARES Act, it's, it's I mean, I just cannot imagine, you know, our Congress, I don't care what party you belong to, living with yourself, going on in re to recess for the holidays and knowing that you left people, you know, who could have just gotten that extra six months to, to weather this until we can get past the election, we can get past having a vaccine, the trial period, just six months to, to, for Americans to know that their health insurance and, you know, how they support their families is safe for at least six months. I mean, we've bailed out the airlines, we've bailed out almost every industry known to man, 
you know, through hit through time. And now the frontline workers, I mean, Montel, we literally were on the airplanes when COVID was not COVID yet, when Congress had a debate about how to name it, about who gave it to us. We faced it head on. We faced it when the airlines told us, no, you can't wear a mask. Like flight attendants were told, you cannot wear a mask. And COVID was rampant, killing people. And not until the hospitals in New York were overflowing with trucks with body bags in them as freezers, did the airline say, okay, you can wear a mask. So, you know, Congress must act. They, they have to act. It is their duty. You know, that we, we vote them in regardless of party to protect us. And this is not a, a, a party thing. This is more, this is an American thing and they need to protect Americans. Well, Chris Santana, I can't say thank you enough for being a part of Free Thinking with Montel a Day. You've given us some really good information. And, you know, uh, again, give that website out one more time for people if they wanted to follow you uh, in your workout routine. My Instagram handle is uh, Platform Santana on Instagram and First Only Gym on Facebook. Thank you so much, Montel, for the opportunity. Absolutely, friend. And thank you for sharing so much good information with all of us. And I think most people need to remember the flight attendants are your first line of protection in the air for safety. You are not our waiters and waitresses in the sky. You are there for our safety first. And then, you know, you do provide services. If they people need a bottle of water, they can get one. But make sure you adhere to what a flight attendant has to say because they're there really just trying to protect you. So thank you again, Chris, for being a part of the show. And thank you for tuning in and listening to Free Thinking with Montel. Join us on the next episode. Thanks.